We Have Issues is a weekly podcast full of reviews of comics and oversharing. We use grown-up language to make very childish jokes. You can find the show at wehaveissues.net, as well as anywhere else where average to not too bad podcasts can be found. Hello, listener. Welcome to We Have Issues 117. Uh, you can listen to all of our previous episodes at wehaveissues.net or at theother10percent.net or at your podcatcher of choice. Or um, we have a Facebook page, uh, We Have Issues, and we've got a Twitter account, uh, Issues Pod. You can't listen to the podcast there. But you, we do tend to post on there about episodes when they come out. Um, it's supposed to be a weekly podcast about comics. It hasn't been recently because uh, real life is depressing. And then comics life is sometimes depressing. Uh, we don't seem to be able to go more than a week at the moment without uh, someone from uh, one of the big uh, comic companies shitting the bed. Really, really majorly, not literally shitting the bed. Oh, by the way, uh, sometimes there's um, uh, explicit language in this podcast. But So that can be depressing. It can wear on you, especially if you don't want to spend all of your time talking gossip about comics. Uh, so uh, And you just want to talk about comics. So we're going to talk about comics. I'm going to talk about comics. My name's Nick. I'm on Twitter at Nick's site. If you want to support all this, by the way... Uh, you can do that by either telling your friends about us um, or we've got a Patreon. Uh, you can get there at patreon.com forward slash TOTP and that supports both this podcast and the sort of cousin, kissing cousin podcast, uh, Two Grown Men, that I do with my friend James about being a demoralized old white sack of male skin. Um, I guess male skin is foreskin. That's not right, is it? That's that's not what I meant. That isn't the message I was trying to get across. Anyway, later in the episode, David Wynn has lots to say to you about comics. Uh, it's a really long contribution from him, which normally would be an absolute uh, joy to try and fit in. But uh, this time is great because I don't really have loads to talk about, to be honest. Um it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode. It is supposed to be a weekly podcast. I'm really, really sorry about that. As I said, a little bit tired, a little bit burned out. You might be able to hear, I think I might, might be a little bit hay fevery, uh, and I'm not really used to that because I, I wasn't a hay fever person for all those years. Also wasn't asthmatic. That's apparently a thing. Um, I've toyed with obesity. I couldn't say I've never been obese, uh, but I'm pretty much uh, heading there as well. So um, diabetes is probably a shoe-in fairly, fairly soon. So it's difficult really to uh, motivate oneself, uh, especially when you'd rather generally be sat in front of the TV with your wife watching uh, programs about teenagers committing suicide. This isn't, this isn't a podcast about programs about teenagers committing suicide, so uh, I should probably talk about some comics. The first comic I want to talk about this week is Nick Fury number one. It's by James Robinson with art by uh, Aco, 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 
uh, with Hugo Petrus on inks and Rachel Rosenberg giving uh, color, giving color, doing color, being the colorist as colorist. Um, the story is uh, fairly direct. It's, it's basically one long set piece. It's uh, Nick Fury infiltrates a high concept casino and faces off against Hydra. And it's basically this whole issue is basically a, a sort of a love letter to uh, Jim Steranko, whose whose work I admit I'm blagging it on somewhat because I've only really seen um, the screen grabs that that people have shared of snatched moments of Stranko on Nick Fury in the past. But that seems to be very clearly what this is going for. I know uh, Aiko's work from the stuff that they've done at DC. Um, I think it was Midnighter was the book I read. Uh, but it was all espionage and and action and excitement and that's basically what there is here as well the layouts are intense and crazy and genius and uh i don't know if aiko's male or female so uh, in my notes i've written his over and over again but i'm not sure um i'm gonna say his uh, his figure and face work are a lot like john cassidy's but way more organic than that but it's really the layouts that are intense. There's loads of detail to them, but it's really clear what's going on. It's not always strictly um, incredibly designed for moving you through the page the way a comic uh, normally benefits from. But but when that's the case, it's normally to impart a whole bunch of information at once that is really uh, useful or interesting uh, in the context of the story. Rosenberg uses this really intense and confrontational color palette that's a balancing act only a genius could pull off, really. And uh, and she does an amazing job of it. It's all sort of vibrant uh, pinks and greens and, and stuff like that. It just looks absolutely gorgeous. The writing is fine, but it's not really the point here. James Robinson does a really good job here of just getting out of the way of what's essentially a, a sort of a James Bond, Nick Fury pastiche. Um, and it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's flying cars. There's lots of lots and lots of ideas poured onto the page. It's just it's a really fun comic. It's hmm. It's a Marvel book though, and it's featuring Hydra, and that whole thing is just a giant pain in the ass at the moment. So, um, I I read it, and will probably read future issues, hoping. And really hoping that it stays as far away from the horror show that is the rest of uh, Marvel, like the mainstream Marvel approach to Hydra and talking about Hydra at the moment. It's just tedious. And we don't have to get into that, guys. People are tedious about that. I'd say, like, on both sides, but actually it's mainly the people who uh, who are, are providing a mouthpiece for Nick Spencer um, who are the tedious ones. Anyway. Another book I read this week um, is a really odd one. It's a tie-in to the film, the latest Kong film. It's called Skull Island: The Birth of Kong. Um, I'll put I'll put the creative team on the website. If you want show notes for this episode, go to uh, go to the page uh, we have issues dot net. And um, and I'll put full show notes for the uh, for the episode. I meant to make a note of who the creators were on this and failed to. Sorry. Um, I haven't seen the movie it ties into, and it, that makes it hard to review this perfectly. I'm not sure where in the timeline this fits, really, or if it has any relation to any other King Kong stories 
ever seems more like a sort of a Godzilla type thing where in the Japanese movies there are a whole there's a whole like military arm that only exists to fight Godzilla's and the like that seems to be what's going on a little bit here um but it definitely merits mentioning because it's a really fun blockbuster story about modern explorers going to an island full of strange dinosaurs and shit uh, and there's this perfectly fine and curt script it's really workmanlike but it's absolutely fine They're like there's nothing really groundbreaking going on with the characterization in this but it's it's really tidy um and uh, sort of not workshopped but it works fine along block blockbuster lines the characters each have a type and they it's like a squad of people who go to go to kong island and they've they've each got the type. They're they're the people you expect. They're in Predator and Aliens and all of those things. And it's and it's fine. That they they're really they're perfectly well written for that. Uh, but it's ab- got absolutely gorgeous, realistic looking, fully painted art. Uh, realistic's a nonsense. But it's like this fully painted, probably digitally painted. I admit, uh, but amazingly rendered art. And often painted art can look a bit static, but not here. Um, there's great acting on the parts of the characters in the art but also when things go wrong and dinosaurs attack uh it's not gratuitously violent but it 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 it's perfectly uh represented it's just a it's just a really fun comic that's worth looking up finally i want to talk about this was a real surprise for me uh, it's uh nancy drew and the hardy boys issues one and two uh they're by anthony del cole and uh weatherdale adera or weatherdale adera and it's odd i read the hardy boys and the nancy drew books when i was a kid i don't remember very much about them at all i remember them if i remember them at all it's i'm assuming that they must have been quite cozy because they were clearly aimed at a young teen audience at a time when um our innocence wasn't completely lost that's a nonsense idea we were awful we were awful drinking and shagging and well not me obviously i didn't i uh, i had a baby face nobody wanted to drink with or shag me uh, until much later but um but yeah i remember it as i remember the hardy boys as as quite cozy so this is odd it's kind of a, a little bit like uh, Archie comics, which I don't really know very much about, but I'm I'm led to believe have always been the wholesome uh, arm of uh, modern American comics, and people are having loads of fun with that these days. But anyway, the story is: the Hardy Boys are pulled in by police over a murder that hits very close to home for them, and uh, eventually Nancy Drew steps in to help. Uh, saying any more than that kind of gives away a lot, so I won't. But there's a uh, it's basically. Uh, beach town noir they're fairly familiar characters and even if you don't know nancy drew and uh, and the hardy boys they're archetypes that are going to be familiar to you um if you've watched veronica mars or well i guess the modern riverdale tv series or any of those things they're sort of it's very teen oriented with uh, uh, uh popular successful local kids um having big parties in their rich houses and stuff like that and um, actually, really, really similar mold to Veronica Mars when it comes down to it. Uh, the Hardy Boys have fallen on hard times at this point, and Nancy Drew sort of uh, steps in as a very confident um, and organised uh, character who both of them want to impress, 
partly because she's impressive and partly because obviously she's attractive and they're only teenagers. As I said, it's been a really long time since I last read books featuring any of these characters, so it's really hard to know whether this is in keeping tonally with those books or, or if it is more like Afterlife with Archie. It really isn't cosy, and the script is edgy and has quite good characterization in it, even if it's very occasionally overwritten, and it does start with a, a fairly heavy-duty voiceover, which the uh, very nice crisp art at that point uh, carries you through nicely because it is a bit heavy-handed, the the, um, the voiceover there. Obviously, it's noir, so it utilizes voiceover a little bit. So, uh, But the art is really gorgeous, and it's ready to change up tone and style depending on what's needed in any given scene. At its best, the rendering and use of space and abstraction of shapes really reminds me of Teddy Christensen, but it it never, uh, like Teddy Christensen, whose work I mainly know from House of Secrets, uh, the when it's just about characters talking to each other and you just need to see what's going on with uh, those characters and that you need them to be recognisable from each other, um, it works fine. It works absolutely fine for that. It's not too abstract that you can't see what's going on. It was a real surprise, that comic. I was amazed to see it there in Comixology because um, I didn't know anything about it in the lead-up to it coming out. And it was surprisingly uh, good, surprisingly intriguing. I want to know what's going on with the mystery at the core of it um, and suspect there are some twists and turns to come. And it, it is It's a little bit more... Um, adult than I would have expected. I have uh, read a few other comics. Uh, Eleanor and the Egret was an odd one by John Lehman and Sam Keith. I want to talk about Dead Inside again at some point. Uh, there are a few really good comics around at the moment, but I want to give a few of them a bit of a chance to breathe a bit before I'm 100% sure I, I can recommend them. But um, but yeah, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, really weird comic, definitely worth a read. Anyway, I'm going to hand you over to David and I'll see you, hear you, speak to you afterwards. Hello, David Wynn here. Um, this is kind of an impromptu contribution. I, uh, I'm recording on my phone instead of on my nice fancy microphone. Sorry, Nick. Um, I kind of, I, I'm mainly doing this, if I'm really honest, I'm mainly doing this because I feel kind of guilty because I haven't done a contribution in a really long time. Um, I am kind of working on stuff that Nick knows about, um, that, you know, that you will hear the light of day eventually. Uh, but in the meantime, I've kind of been absent in terms of contributions from the podcast. Um <clears throat> So, I just thought I'd do a quick and dirty, well, I don't know about dirty, but you know what I mean, uh, a, a quick contribution, a bit rough around the edges, but just quickly talk about the main things that I've been reading lately. Um, and one of the reasons I haven't done a lot of contributions lately is that I've um, I've actually been reading prose. I've been reading uh, the The Complete Conan by Robert E. Howard. Uh, which didn't really feel right to be uh, calling in about, because it's prose. Um, I mean, that's it. Well, there, you know, there's, let's just say one of the things in the works might have something to do with that. But anyway, 
What I have started catching up on um, in the last couple of weeks, though, is uh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men. I saw there was a there was a sale on Comicsology of all of it, and I saw that I was going to be I could have completed my collection for just twenty quid, and uh, I couldn't scrape it together. <laughs> I couldn't actually get the money together, so I didn't. Um, however, I, I I have it in a different format. Um, I read it originally by buying it off the news news agent shelf. Uh, in Panini reprints, they, they were reprinting, I think, two issues at a time. Like the 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 Panini UK Marvel reprints, uh, reprint three issues at a time of American comic. But what it what it would would have been in that essential X Men would have been two issues of Grant Morrison, and then one issue of whatever else was going on around the same time. So I remember reading some stuff that was pretty poor, if I'm honest, alongside Grant Morrison's amazing X Men. Uh, I, and I read all of it in that format, um, apart from the very final story, the one illustrated by Mark Silvestri. But I've managed to get hold of that. So at the moment, I'm, I'm I think I'm about sixteen issues from the end. I think I think it's about about forty issues, forty five issues, something like that altogether. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm well well into like the third act now, and. Um, it's so good. I mean, that's that's reasonably obvious, isn't it? I think. But um, but yeah, because of seeing like this on sale, I was just filled with nostalgia and had to reread it. So, like I say, I've been rereading it. And it's just Frank Quitely chapters. Obviously, are the prettiest. His artwork is is so beautiful, and um, and. Actually, it's quite interesting looking at it now because it's been so long since I've seen him inked by somebody else uh, that it's kind of sort of surprising to look back and see him inked by Tim Townsend, of all people, who uh, is a very good inker but has quite a strong style of his own. So seeing them together is really kind of fascinating. And um, I'm watching him gradually get to grips with how to ink Frank Quietly is really interesting. Uh, the other chapters um, are mostly split between three other artists. There's uh, uh, Ethan Van Skyver, Igor Corday, and uh, Phil Jimenez. Um, Ethan Van... Well, the, the artist who gets the worst rap when people talk about the series is Igor Corday. Um, a... a Sort of legendarily, a lot of his chapters were produced on a very short deadline, and he is much maligned when people talk about this run. I'm really enjoying his chapters. I think they're really good. He has a very uh, strong style of his own. Um, some of the drawings of women are overly unnecessarily sexualized, but that's that's comics all over, isn't it? And Emma Frost is a character in this. Uh, I'm afraid that's simply uh, uh, that's a problem with every single artist on this particular story. Unfortunately, I'll talk more about that in a minute. But the um, his storytelling is excellent. Um, he's got a strong style, and 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 his pages are quite sort of dynamic and enjoyable. And I'm I'm really I'm really enjoying his chapters. Uh, Ethan Van Skyver, on the other hand, is a very uh, 
he's very attentive to the way his art is finished and rendered and he's very detailed and lots of hatching and lots of sort of you know uh bolland-esque rendering but his structural drawing is uh <laughs> there's a thing right i hesitate to to criticize artists on the basis of 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 things like um anatomy and proportion um, because though those things can be heavily affected by stylistic choices and sometimes when we say oh so and so can't draw because they their anatomy's all wrong you know a lot of those you know panel redraws you see on the internet um, are critiquing stylistic choices rather than actual mistakes um, a lot of the time people will choose to to draw exaggerated or distorted anatomy exaggerated or distorted proportions or perspective it, you know that's part of cartooning it's a choice um so i hesitate to criticize those things um you know i i, I for example i wouldn't criticize the mini gold corday's artwork because he you know they are clearly there is clearly a stylistic choice going on with his work where he is choosing to prioritize um visual composition and style and storytelling over those particular concerns. With Van Skyver, it's very hard to give him that pass. You look at his work and it's so hyper-realistic in the way that it is rendered and the, the influences seem so strongly to be people like Bolland that it is very hard to believe that that he is choosing to put so little time and effort into the actual structural drawing. Um, the, the, the proportions and anatomy in his work are, are shocking. Uh, certainly in New X-Men. I, I haven't seen anything he's done more recently, but um, it's, I've been really quite taken aback at how poor the, um, the essential drawing is in his chapters while reading this is it's um i'm genuinely surprised because he's not someone i think of as being a bad artist particularly i think i think of him as someone that is not particularly to my taste but reading these chapters it, i've really been struck by how um it looks like looking at an enthusiastic 12 year old's artwork he's, you know a kid who's who's really good at copying the way the surface elements of his favorite artists but hasn't actually yet learned to draw properly that's what his stuff looks like it's quite as i say it's quite shocking it's it, um yeah it's quite and i i realize that's quite harsh but you know phil jimenez his stuff um it's phil jimenez uh he's he's a similar uh you know heavily realist art, artist um but his anatomy and proportions are, are spot on like he's, he puts just as much effort into the structure as he does in, as he does the finishes and rendering um the downside of that is his his issues are a little static and 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 kind of look a bit a bit silly in that you have these very realistic looking people you know cyclops with a little bit of a paunch and <laughs> and so on uh in these amazing costumes and and it's it's kind of uh oddly surreal to look at uh 
but I kind of feel like, you know, it feels appropriate, um, and it's very enjoyable. He seems to get a lot of the soapier chapters as well, which which kind of works. Um, and then there's Quietly, and Quietly, I mean, well, I've already talked about Quietly. He's one of the greatest comics artists who's ever lived, uh, and, and his chapters are incredible. Um, the the overall story, of course, is what really matters. Um, you know, not to get all artists versus writers, but you know, it's one big story, and the story matters. Um, as I say, I'm two thirds of the way through, but um, I'm really struck by the the themes and the the fact that Morrison is so uh, focused. On exploring the ideas that it's 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 what you expect from Morrison, of course, but but for all the soap opera elements that are going on within the story, there's lots of romance and and, and betrayal and so forth and intrigue, but everything is in service to exploring the themes of what it means to be human, what what the idea of a a, a new a, a new evolutionary step in humanity occurring what that would mean for us and what it would mean for the for the people who are that next evolutionary step it's really fascinating and and really heady and really sort of arresting it's really funny in parts um yeah so you know newsflash uh grant morrison's new x-men one of the uh much revered classic runs of comics of the of the 21st century yeah it's it's really good everyone's right um my one caveat would be uh emma frost it's a real shame she's such a well-written character uh and she is one of the best realized characters in this run um the the way she is drawn is so uh I'm struggling to find a word that isn't offensive, and I don't mean a word that isn't offensive, I mean a word other than offensive, um, but it's the only one that fits, you know, she's, I, I, can't, I, I cannot hand this comic uh, to any woman I know without warning them about the way Emma Frost is dressed and drawn, it, and that shouldn't be the case. I shouldn't have to give a warning like that. The, the story itself should justify it. If you're going to, you know, um, I don't feel the need to give warnings like that about other things. You know, uh, the, it's not the fact that she's a woman who dresses in a sexy way. It's the, it's the fact that it's so heavily sexualized, f- clearly for the titillation of the reader and for no reason, no story purpose whatsoever, tells you so little about her as a character. Um, she, you know... Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's the it's kind of the black mark on the series. Um, it's still fucking amazing though. Yeah, Grant Morrison's New X Men highly recommended. Uh, the other thing I've been reading just quickly before I go um, is IDW's GI Joe by um, Aubrey Citizen and um, Giannis Milonagiannis. I think that's how that's pronounced. Um, with colours by Laverne Kinsierski. Um this comic's just great. It's just so much fun. Um, it's a. I'm I'm not a hardcore GI Joe fan, 
Um, I used to read the comic when I was a kid. I used to watch the cartoon on the telly when I was a kid. I remember very little. I remember loving the comic. I remember being really into Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Um, You know, I didn't keep up with it, though. I didn't... um, I'm I'm more of a Transformers fan than I am a a G.I. Joe fan, and I'm not really a Transformers fan. I just, you know, have affection for them from when I was a child. Um, I haven't read any of the modern stuff, certainly none of of the stuff in between. That said, um, I I read this because of Giannis Milonagianis, because he's... Amazing. I'm, he, I love his work on Old City Blues, and I enjoyed his work on Profit. Um, this comic is, it's just silly fun. It takes the concept of of the GI Joe, of a, a military force made up of uh, characters with ridiculous gimmicks, um, being sent around the world to fight uh, Cobra, um, and and just milks every sort of ridiculous over-the-top silly idea out of that it can it really helps that it gets to incorporate transformers and rom space knight um into the continuity so they're fighting the dire wraiths and they've got a decepticon on their side um there's there's intrigue there's uh interpersonal drama there's comedy there's action um it looks great it's not mentally taxing at all there's lots of action and adventure um it's just it's fun and it's really nice to look at as well um Levan Kinzeski is a great colorist he's been around for a long time and and obviously I've made it clear I like Giannis's artwork um Aubrey Citizen I'd never read anything by him before I'm really enjoying this it's just um it's been compared to wrestling by a lot of people apparently Citizen is a, a wrestling fan um I I don't watch wrestling, so I don't really know. Like, but I I get the impression that maybe this sort of feeling of the, of these character, you know, these over the top gimmicky characters having these stories about them, maybe I can kind of see it. It, it it's got sort almost like a superhero feeling to it. It's almost like a military justice league. Is kind of probably the nearest thing I could, I could easiest way to describe it. I guess. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, you don't need to be reading the other IDW books, though it is making me think about checking out some of the the, the other ones that are in this uh, shared Hasbro universe, um, which is not something I would have ever, ever occurred to me before. But I kind of, if if this is this good, it makes me want to read the others. Um, so yeah, G.I. Joe, I recommend that as well. All right, so that'll do for this little contribution. I don't think I'm denied too much. I think I can just send this without editing. I'm very sorry, Nick. This is, you know, very unprofessional of me. Um, I've also, the screen has, has now locked on my phone, so, you know, uh, we we get the, the nostalgic thump, thump, thump of my thumb unlocking my phone screen in order for me to stop the, this recording, uh, you know, like in the old contributions I used to do. Are uh, you ready for that? Um, Oh, oh no! I can actually unlock with my thumb now, like on the on the, because it's a, a fancy new phone. Oh my god, this has run really long. I'm so sorry, Nick. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, I'll see you lot uh, again soon. Uh, hopefully, next time I talk to you, it'll be uh, as part one of 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 something else. All right. Bye. That was David Wynn, uh, artist and writer extraordinaire. 
and uh, that's it. That's the show. Uh, that's the episode. Thank you for your patience uh, in waiting for this episode, if you have been. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you if you're one of our Patreons for patronising us. That's patreon.com forward slash TOTP. And uh, other 10% is the site where uh, this is hosted. And that's that, I think. Thank you, listener. Bye-bye.